Good morning. Please rise together with me for the scripture reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Amen. Please be seated. Lord, may your word remain forever in our hearts. And as we hear your exhortation from Scripture this morning, may it convict us, change us, and transform us. May we grow in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A few years ago, my son graduating from high school, and it might be hard to tell when you look at me because I'm rather short, but my son was a mutant, and he was over six foot tall, a great football player, one of the top 60 football players in Pennsylvania. He won a Maxwell Club Award, was recruited for football, um, but he unfortunately got injured. So he went to college and he studied mechanical engineering at a great engineering school, Lehigh University. And before his last semester, in January of his senior year, he went to the local Korean church college retreat, College United, and he called us on the way back. He said, Mom and Dad, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you about my new calling in life. And he never does that. He's one of those kids that, like, I'll send him, like, a massive text. I love you, Luke. Hope your day is good. You know, hope your life is good. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not even okay. You know, just okay. He's not very talkative. Loves League of Legends. You know, spends a lot of time on the computer. So it was strange. But it was College United. He must have been blessed. He was excited, but then I started thinking, oh no, he wants to become a minister, <laughs> just like his mom and dad. And you know, ministry is rewarding, joyful, fun, I love it, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It is difficult. For Pastor Andrew, who's a friend of mine, he loves this church. He loves the people of God here, but it is hard, and it is difficult. And as pastors, not in a gossipy way, but we talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> so my son was coming home. I said, oh, he's going into ministry. But I said, you know, I have to prepare him. So I went to my library, pulled out all my favorite ministry books, called to the ministry by Edmund Clowney and many other books, started writing down all these notes, was ready to teach him and tell him and give him a speech. And he came home in the afternoon, loved College United. All my sons have been there. And 
he, he, you know, I was taking a nap and he woke me up. He's like, dad, dad, dad. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I have to tell you my new calling. And, you know, it's like, well, can we wait for mom to finish counseling? So we had to wait. Luke was very excited. I had all the books ready, my notes ready. Going to teach him and give him wise words about being a minister of God. Mom and dad. At College United, God has real, revealed to me my new calling. I'm going to be, I'm like, oh, minister. I'm going to be, my new calling is an actor. <laughs> what? What? I mean, how many crazy rich movies, crazy rich Asian movies are they going to make? What are you, crazy? He moved to California. He's pursuing acting. I saw some of commercials he's, did, he's done. He's done a few commercials. His first commercials were like Ian McGregor whiskey commercials, like dancing at a pool with bikini-laid girls. And I was like, what is this? Whatever, you know, you know. But he is seriously pursuing acting. And I just burned all my ministry books. In our passage today, 1 Timothy 4, Paul is giving ministry advice to a young pastor, Timothy. And many years ago, about seven years ago, when Pastor Andrew and I served at the same church, he preached on 1 Timothy 4 and 1 Timothy. And he preached a sermon called, What to Expect from Your Pastor what to expect from your pastor. And I have notes still from his sermon. And he said, what to expect from your pastor is that he is a good servant of Christ, godly in character, gospel-centered in teaching and preaching, growing in God's grace. All from this passage, 1 Timothy 4. And by the way, I am a professor of preaching. I teach master level and doctoral level students in preaching, and you will not find a finer preacher than Pastor Andrew. He loves preaching. He loves preparing. He loves preparing good jokes and humor and studying. So if you don't like his preaching, I can't do anything for you. You have a great preacher in Pastor Andrew. But as Pastor Andrew preach this sermon from 1 Timothy 4, what to expect from your pastor. A deeper look into 1 Timothy also helps us to see what can we expect from our pastor's churches. What can we expect from you and I as the saints of God, as the people of God? And so today I want to speak to you all and to myself about not what we can expect from our pastor, but what can we expect from our pastor's churches. And the first thing I'd like to share is that we can expect critique expressed to the pastor. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for 
your youth. He was telling Timothy that you are going to get critique because you are young. In the New Testament times, elders, if you were not old, you were often not considered appropriate for leadership positions. And many offices in Judaism became only available after you were the age of 40. Timothy's appointment to serve in the church was a rare privilege in his culture. And so he, Paul warned him, you would receive criticism from the church. But that's not the bash you and I as believers of God. That's not to say you shouldn't have critiques of the church. For almost 30 years, I was a youth pastor at a church that a lot of you might know, Young Zeng Church. And, you know, as a youth pastor, you try to get your teenagers psyched up and excited for Jesus. And a lot of youth pastors do this thing, God is good. And what are you supposed to say? All the time. And all the time. I don't do that. <laughs> but there's two things that I always did as a youth pastor. First of all, I would always tell my students, the most important time of youth group, and they would say, is after you leave youth group. Your six or seven years of youth group is not important. But the most important time of youth group is after you leave youth group. And then I had this other phrase where I said, every church is good, and every church is and the students would say, bad. So I'd be like, every church is good, and every church is bad. Because I would try to express to them, there is no perfect church. The church, although the gospel is alive and present and real and transforms, we are sinful people, broken people, and the church is filled with gospel-transformed, sinful, and broken people. So every church is good, and every church is bad. And in a church, there will be critiques and criticisms of a pastor. In fact, for my PhD dissertation, I studied innovation, and I studied business organizations and churches and organizations that failed. And one of the organizations I studied was Kodak. And some of you younger people might be wondering, what is Kodak? <laughs> because all our pictures are now taken with camera, like digital cameras and phones and things like that. But Kodak was a company years ago, and when you used to take pictures, you used to load, have a camera, and you'd have to load film into a camera to take a picture. Again, for some of you, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but Kodak no longer exists. The company does not exist. Because years ago, the executives in Kodak were not listening to the middle-level managers and their constituents saying that someday, there's going to be no such thing as camera film, that everything is going to be digital. 
and you need to prepare and get ready. They did not listen to the critique of their lower level managers. And so any organization needs, especially to be innovative, critique, criticism, feedback. And your church needs that too. And again, if you have things to express, if you have things to share with Pastor Andrew, the elders, the deacons, I am sure, knowing Pastor Andrew, he would welcome it. But in my years at Yangzheng, at a first-generation, conservative, maybe sometimes legalistic church, I had these two incidents that I wrote about in a ministry journal where, this is in the year 2000, I grew my goatee at a first-generation Korean church. Now, now you might be thinking, oh, what's the big deal of a goatee? Well, in an immigrant Korean church, this was considered worse than heresy. I could have went up in front of the church and dropped the F-bomb. It would have been okay. But growing a goatee, they thought it made an example to the young teenagers. Like, I look like a beggar. I looked like a fool. I looked sloppy. I looked unkempt as a pastor. And these parents, and I wrote about this in a ministry journal, these parents would go around and tell other parents, Danny Kwan is the worst pastor. He's a bad example. Newcomers would come, don't, go to, don't come to our youth group. He's a bad pastor. And they would spread this gossip and rumors. Critique is good. But that kind of discord and harmony. And another thing they do, my wife, bless her heart, she's a psychologist and a counselor, but she's also been a faithful pastor's wife. And we would invite 80, 90, 100 students over to our house every week, and she would cook for them, and she would make food for them, wake up at 6 in the morning. And then we'd go downstairs, and we'd play Nintendo Wii. And at a Korean church, parents thought this was worse than giving our kids marijuana playing video games on a Sunday at church. Now, this is an old conservative Korean church 23 years ago. But they would tell people, the pastor, they're playing video games at their house. What sinner? What a bad pastor. And they would spread this gossip and rumor to new parents, to other parents, saying he's a bad pastor. Again, critiques criticisms of the pastor. That's what you can expect from your pastor's church. We welcome it. Pastor Andrew welcomes it. Your elders and deacons welcome it. But there is no perfect church. And in your church, I ask you, as Matthew says, why do you speak, seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your eye. Is your critique 
and criticism of your church. As it says in Romans 16, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles. Is your critique and criticism, as Paul says in Galatians 5, causing hatred and discord, discord and disunity? Again, critique and criticism is important for growth and innovation and newness and freshness. We expect it. Paul expected it. But ask yourself, are you criticizing the speck in another person's eye and not seeing the telephone pole in your own eye? Are you causing discord, hatred, and harmony, obstacles, and division? Secondly, Paul points out, and he says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. An example. And what can we expect from our pastor's church, from Cornerstone? We can expect transformation through the pastor, but not by the pastor. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul says, I received mercy for this reason, that in me, foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example for those who were to believe in him. Transformation might happen through the pastor, but not by the pastor. I want you to hear this, that the job of the minister is to be faithful, to be an example, to set the example to believers, as Paul says in our passage today. But while our calling is to be fruitful, it is God's calling to be fruitful. Our calling to be faithful and God's calling to be fruitful. That is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I don't want to minimize how important it is for pastors to set a good example. Parents, to set a good example for your children and teenagers. Spouses, to set a good example for each other. Friendships, to set good Christian examples for each other. Leaders, fellow praise team members, fellow church members, to set good examples to each other. But one of the things that I've always remembered in lasting in ministry for 30 years, and Pastor Andrew lasting in ministry for uh, many years, or even being a parent, because parenting is hard. 
I mean, raising teenagers is the hardest thing. If you're a parent of young kids, God bless you. It's hard, physically hard. Wait till you have teenagers. It's spiritual warfare. It's hard. But what I remember, it's my job to be faithful and let God be the one who is fruitful. And so what I suggest to you is that when you look at Pastor Andrew, when you look at your elders, you see people who set the example, but transformation comes through them, but not by them. It comes by your response to the gospel message. You know, today, I really appreciate it. I never sung this song, but I was telling Edmund earlier, this song, Come to the Lord. You know, if you're hurting and broken, come to the Lord. If you're weary and restless, come to the Lord. If your burden is heavy, come to the Lord. You know, beautiful gospel lyrics. If you're suffering and needy, come to the Lord. If you're guilty from sinning, come to the Lord. If you're haughty and prideful, come to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, this lyric, if your marriage is struggling, come to the Lord. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, I'm like, the next line, if you're addicted to fentanyl, come to the Lord. You know, if you're struggling with pornography, come to the Lord. If you got a bad SAT score, come to the Lord. I'm like, where is all of a sudden this line? Like, haughty and prideful, lonely and searching. If your marriage is struggling, we're not, it's like, you know. But it is true. Come to the Lord. Transformation comes through your pastor, but not by your pastor. It is God's job to be fruitfulness and your response to the gospel. Prayer, reading his word, being part of this community, being active in faith and action. James says faith without action is dead. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by the work of Jesus. But after you're saved, your response to the gospel must be in action because faith without action slowly dies and withers. For me, every morning that means, you know, I wake up, little graphic, but I wake up, I go pee, pee my dog, then I make a cup of coffee, and then I open my iPad. And every morning, for me, there's this temptation to hit the Facebook button first, or the Twitter button, or the Instagram button. And this is not to sound like a Pharisee or a legalistic, but I have to make it in my heart to respond to the gospel and come to the Lord and open my Bible app first. Because transformation happens through the pastor, but not by the pastor. And the church, filled with God's people, responding to the gospel. Again, simple things like prayer, reading of the word, 
meditating on scripture, being active, part of your church. That's what we hope from our pastors' churches, from you all, and that each of you would respond to the gospel. It's very interesting to me that in Redeemer Church in New York, there are so many second-generation Korean-Americans like many of us here. And I served at a first-generation Korean church for 30 years. But these second-generation Korean-Americans, many of them my old students, a lot of them go to Redeemer, and they attend on Sundays. But rarely any of them are part of a small group. And at Redeemer, they say, if you're not part of a small group, you're not really part of the church. And somehow, like me, growing up in a Korean-American church under my parents who went to church six days a week, morning prayer, Wednesday night, Friday night, read their Bible to try to get a prize every year, did Bible memory to try to get a prize or a sticker. We're reacting against that. And I understand we don't want to be legalists and Pharisees, but we are called to respond to the gospel. And what can we expect from our pastor's church to be transformed by the gospel? and each of us to respond to the gospel. Finally, Paul says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. Set the believers an example. Timothy's calling was to set an example to the believers. Not the pagans. Not the Satan worshipers. Not the agnostics. But the believers. And as people who are part of a gospel community who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we believe that the Spirit has come and that each of you through Jesus Christ are now his workmanship created in his good power and works to do the good works that he has set before us to do that each of you as first peter 2:9 says are a royal priesthood you are the priesthood of all believers. You are all believers and priests of God. You are all called as ambassadors, as salt and light, as his people, as people who serve, who are kingdom changers. You are Believers, 
not just attenders. You are a priesthood. And I know in the first generation Korean church, we tend to exalt pastors and put them on a pedestal. But I love being in the PCA because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. That God uses each and every one of us for his kingdom. You know, in sociology, there's a concept called the Pareto Principle, where it says that 80% of the work is often done by 20% of the people. Other names of this principle are the 80-20 principle, the law of the vital few, or the principle of sparsity. And sometimes in our churches, it can be like that. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. But Paul, in his instructions to Timothy, say you are ministering to a set of believers that each of you is a member of the body of Christ and a vital, indispensable member, special in the eyes of God, beautifully transformed and redeemed and an agent of change and reconciliation and salt and light for the world. You are a missional community. You are missionaries. You are examples and salt and light for your husband and wife, for your children, for Lansdale, for the world. That's what we hope and expect from our pastors' churches. As you have honored Pastor Andrew with a sabbatical of rest, I hope that Cornerstone would continue to be, and as he comes back, a community of believers a community of transformed believers that all of us would break the Pareto principle and 100% of you would respond to the gospel in Jesus Christ. Let us pray together.